good jobs, desperately needed funding for the state, a massive fucking Ferris wheel right next to the United Nations building. That's how the developers vying for three new downstate casino licenses are pitching their proposals. From Midtown Manhattan to City Field to Coney Island. Slots in the middle of Times Square, blackjack with an East River view, or maybe a Monaco-style casino right on top of Saks Fifth Avenue. That could all be a reality. The governor, mayor, and members of the state legislature all agree. New York needs casinos. The state could get $1.5 billion from just the licensing fees alone plus hundreds of millions more each year. We're looking at all the proposals. We want the best for New York City. Uh, We want the economic development. Uh, Whatever happens in New York City, we think this is the best place. Each license carries with them about 1,000 construction jobs and then about 1,000 post-construction jobs. But I'm also proposing, to help in the long term, that a share of future casino revenues, those in the MTA region, if there are any, stay tuned, that'll go to the MTA. Part of that'll go to the MTA as a dedicated funding source. New York raises more money from the lottery and gambling than any other state in the country. Nearly $4 billion in 2020. And that was before online sports betting contributed another $900 million last year. All this might lead you to believe that more casinos means more money for the state. And we don't even have to raise taxes. But it's never that simple. Because in New York, casino revenues rarely live up to their promises. Research shows that the newer casinos cannibalize the business of the older casinos, who then asked the state for financial help, or tax breaks, to keep casino workers employed. Even if we assume that more New York City casinos will attract tourists, that's money these out-of-towners are spending on gambling, and not restaurants, or theater tickets, or other activities that don't happen in windowless rooms. Research also shows that people who are most susceptible to gambling problems live in low-income communities. In other words, all this magic cash doesn't just fall out of the sky. It comes out of the pockets of New Yorkers. So Hellgate went to Queens, home of New York City's only existing casino, to talk to some of the people who were playing. Did they think having more casinos is a good idea? Money on 20, baby. Money on 20. This is the Hellgate Podcast. I'm Christopher Robbins, a reporter and co-owner of the site. Resorts World New York City sits next to the old Aqueduct racetrack in Queens, just west of JFK Airport. The track opened in 1894 and was almost shut down in 2008, but the state ended up bailing it out and buying it. Governor Kathy Hochul just proposed giving the struggling industry a loan of nearly half a billion dollars, even though the races lose tens of millions of dollars every year. At Aqueduct, smart New Yorkers take home over $2 million every day. The Saturday we visited was a race day. Groups of older men clutched betting slips and stared at walls of TV screens, showing races from all over the world. Some walked outside at post time so they could grab a smoke and cheer their horses on. The vibe was like a Greyhound bus station from the late 1980s, with beers and yelling. If Aqueduct represents a dying industry, Resorts World New York City, which opened in 2011, might be considered the future. Resorts World New York, the night of your life. Just minutes, not hours away. It's the most profitable racino in the state. Racino being the word for these casinos that sit next to racetracks. And it has some of the most profitable slot machines in the country. Every week, New Yorkers gamble hundreds of millions of dollars there. 
a lot of this cash goes to propping up the horse racing industry next door. Resorts World is also the top employer in the city for members of the hotel union. When we were there, the parking lot was packed. Inside, things were more low-key. The music was bumping, but no one was dancing. Most of the tables were pretty empty. Uh, the smell is interesting because it's like not smoky, but there's like a sickly sort of sweet, like disinfectant mixed with um, like fried food maybe. Resorts World is a video casino, meaning that there's no dealers. If you want to play games like blackjack or roulette or craps, you know, the fun stuff, you have to stick your cash into a machine and touch a screen. It's all just a high-stakes video game. Time is running out. Please place your butts. Women wearing sexy cocktail attire appear on giant flat screens and beckon you to sit down and play. It's kind of a bummer. The casino licenses that are up for grabs in New York City are for full-service casinos, with actual human beings stealing cards and spinning wheels. Resorts World is also competing for one of these licenses. Most of the people we saw were glued to slot machines, which have lots of sounds and colors, but also some of the worst odds in the house. Since this was the future, we wanted to know what Resorts World regulars thought of the idea of having more casino gambling in New York. So we caught up with some folks who were in the parking lot, or were headed to the subway stop. Excuse me, miss. Hi. Almost no one thought it was a good idea. And why would they? It's just another place that will take their money. What's already here is enough. Stay away from, like, the regular neighborhoods and stuff like that. Some people we talked to thought it'd be more convenient to have a casino in Manhattan. If they end at one near the city, New York City, so that I don't have to take the train from Chinatown to here. But mostly, we got stories like these, from gamblers who keep coming back, over and over again, only to be disappointed. A new casino wouldn't help them. All they want is get money from working people. They mostly um, take advantage of senior citizens. They try to rip off people like me. Sometimes they give me, a, you know, I play and they give me $100 to come back. But the next time, that $100, I'm gonna spend 150 on my own pocket. <laughs> New York City is robbing their people. You come here and you just put your money and it takes it. Just take it, take it, take it, take it. Don't get your not move. Oh, we still keep coming there. This guy Jerry arrived in a silver minivan from Brooklyn. He hoped, against all evidence, that a new casino would improve his odds. He was clutching 45 bucks in his hand when he talked to me. If you had two new casinos, right? Yeah. Competition bring more, better chances of you getting more money. If I pull in the five years that I've been coming here, right, I lose probably more than $20,000 and win $2,000. On our way out, we met Hassan, who was waiting inside the Sky Bridge, which is basically an enclosed walkway from the casino to the subway station. Big band music played over the loudspeaker as he talked about why he's personally wary of more casinos coming to New York City. He summed it up in a word. Addiction. That's a very bad idea. Uh, basically, for all casinos, yeah, people lose. So if they try to uh, bring new casinos like this, there will be a disaster for the community. What keeps you coming back if it's... if? Oh, that's the addiction, man. 
That's that's impressive when the people who are actually consumers of this stuff are saying, this is terrible. It should be illegal. That's Neil DeMoss, Hellgate contributor, author of the book Field of Schemes. He recently wrote a story on Hellgate called Let the Great Mets Parking Lot Casino Schmooze Fest Begin about Steve Cohen's bid to bring a casino to Queens. Neil's joining me along with Hellgate co-founders Max Rivlin-Nadler and Nick Pinto to talk about casinos in New York City. Hey, good to be here. Before we get into Neil's story about the Mets casino or the potential of a Mets casino, I wanted to touch on the outing that we had at the Resorts World New York City. That was not my first time at the Racino, I'm proud to say. Max, was that your first time? It was my first time inside of the Racino. I'd been outside and I'd been to Aqueduct a few times since the Racino opened. But this was my first time inside the belly of the beast. And uh, it's an experience. Nick, have you been to the Racino before? I hadn't, no. It was... uh... (laughs) You don't like going to, to Deep Queens to play video poker? No, I, or I mean, it hadn't occurred to me to do it, but um, I didn't feel like I needed to go back and do more of it. Neil, have you had the pleasure of going to the resorts world? I have not. I am not a, uh, I am not a casino patron in general, and I uh, have not had the uh, opportunity to go and report on, on the people who are. So um, I only know about it by reputation and by you know reading all the economic studies on casinos. Well, okay, so the Mets Casino, um, or the potential of the Mets Casino, what did you cover in January? What were you there for? What is happening? Right, so, okay, everybody has known for months that Steve Cohen, owner of the Mets, wants to build a casino in the parking lot of City Field, right? There are a couple of problems with that. One is that the courts have repeatedly rejected the idea of building anything in the parking lot because it's still considered public parkland going all the way back to when Flushing Meadows Corona Park was first created. And you can't just build commercial property in a uh, public parkland as, you know, the previous Mets owners found out when they were trying to build a mall there. So there's that issue. And then, of course, also he, you know, Cohen has to uh, sort of build public support for this thing because he's involved in a bidding process for a casino or will be involved. So this was a visioning session, and visioning sessions, for those unfamiliar, are sort of dog and pony shows where you open it up to the public and bring out a whole lot of whiteboards and markers and post-it notes and gather people's ideas. Little colored stickers are a, a popular item for some reason, probably because it's easy to hand people colored stickers and say, put them on the map where you would like this to go. You know, it was both Mets fans and Queen's residents, and there were plenty of different suggestions, none of which were casino. But presumably, eventually, whenever uh, Cohen comes out with a, an actual plan, it will be, you know, reflect some things that somewhere were on a post-it note. And then you can say this was at the behest of Queen's residents. The idea is to, not to ask people what their actual opinions uh, are, but rather to say, surely you want something built there. What would you like it to be? So Cohen is one of a dozen or so developers who are sort of lining up to create these casino proposals across New York City. And we can go back and and touch on them later. But like, what does Cohen have in his favor? Why would he be a, a good casino owner in the eyes of the people who are handing out these casino licenses? 
Yeah, I think Cohen's main advantage is that he's, you know, got a ton of money, right? Um, <laughs> and the, and the right, but I mean, the, the main concern of the state here is they're going to be going through this probably years-long process, and the last thing they want is to finally decide on a winner, say, here, build a casino, and then it turns out that the person who they've handed this casino license to you know, goes bankrupt or doesn't have the financing to build it, you know, can't actually do the thing they promised to do. Wait, That's Neil, how did, how did Steve Cohen get all of his money? I'm, I'm, I'm sort of blanking on um, the history of his finances. You mean, you mean that insider trading uh, uh, hedge fund he used to run? Um, oh, he said he was sorry. He said he was sorry and he wasn't convicted of insider trading. Only his hedge fund was. So um, th- that would be the downside, right? Is that if anyone looks into his record and considers that a, uh, you know, had to pay enormous fines for insider trading as a negative, then uh, he might not win a uh, win the bidding. But in past history, as any guide for these sorts of things, that can, tends to be overlooked if someone has enough, you know, money and uh, development partners and lobbyists and all of that. Is, so, there, a, is um, there a case to be made that a, a history of insider trading might actually be a, a net plus if you're running a casino, though? I mean, it's a net plus for the people. I guess if you're the state and you're looking for the casino to be profitable, then being a, a successful grifter is a good thing, right? You know, it means you won't accidentally pay out more money than you have to. Surely only the most upstanding members of society have won casino licenses in the past. So I'm sure this will this will totally be uh, above board. And what about the site itself? Like where do, do we know where he's thinking about putting it? You mentioned the parking lot of the of city field but like is that precisely where he would presumably put this casino i mean yeah with all those presumably his caveats um you know we don't know exactly what he wants to build or where he wants to build it but the only land he really controls doesn't own right it's still city property i think it belongs to the parks department but the only land he really has any say over is the parking lots um so most of that is to the west of city field towards corona where shea stadium used to be and that's where the Wilpons ill-fated Willits West Mall was going to be built. So there's a lot of land there. Obviously, the Mets need that for parking, um, especially if uh, if uh, Steve Cohen keeps signing players and the Mets keep pretending to be in pennant races. There would have to be probably some kind of parks or other public amenities to pretend that this is any kind of public benefit. Um, and there would be the casino and anything else. But, you know, there's nothing in terms of renderings. There's nothing in terms of, you know, at this at this visioning thing, all the visioning was coming from the public, right? There was nothing divulged by Cohen or his development partners about what they actually want to build. One of my favorite parts of this effort by Cohen, Neil, has been the website that he set up to kind of push um, for a live music and entertainment center that features gaming in like nowhere in the materials do they mention casinos which is like the funniest thing why is that why can't they be like upfront over like no we want this thing that will print us money um i mean a couple of things i think first of all that doesn't necessarily win over the public to say allow me to build this thing because i want to make more money me the richest owner in all of baseball doesn't give you a lot of sympathy but also you know there is that uh, that issue with the the fact that it's public parkland right so you have to have one eye on the state legislature which could uh, pass a law allowing you to build there or the courts um who could just say okay fine a casino is somehow different from a mall and we'll allow you to build that so if you try to define a casino as not a casino but a public entertainment facility that features gaming, right? 
then maybe that wins over some judges. I'm sure if his lawyers thought that he could get away with calling it a public park where some of the lawns are indoors and involve slot machines, then he would have done that. But that's probably a bridge too far. Hi there. This is Christopher Robbins, a reporter and co-owner of Hellgate. Enjoying the podcast so far? Would you like even more Hellgate? Subscribe. Hellgate is New York City's only worker-owned news site. Our goal is to bring our readers stories that are trenchant, playful, outraged, irreverent, and useful. Never a chore to read. Go to hellgatenyc.com slash products to subscribe. That's hellgatenyc.com slash products. Okay, back to the podcast. Unlike some of the other sites that are being proposed by developers like Times Square or like, I don't know, Hudson Yards, there's not like, (laughs) where's the sewage infrastructure out there? You know, like where is like the basic infrastructure to support massive casinos and like that sort of like massive development? Who is going to pay for all of that infrastructure? I'm sure the city and the state will, you know, if this ends up going through, will will make it easier. But like, it helps to have someone who has many billions of dollars who can say, fine, we need all the sewage. Like, cool. I can put it in $300 million. Boom. Sure. I, I definitely, that will make the state happier that he'll be the backstop. I doubt he is going to immediately say, I will build, build, right. build all the sewage. <laughs> don't worry, New York City, you don't need to do anything. I mean, that, that's the other piece of this puzzle, right? That we don't know anything about is who's going to pay for all of this. Whenever you're building on public land, um, you also always have to be concerned about, you know, is are they going to pay any rent for the, the land that they're using for the next indefinite number of years? Are they going to pay property taxes like they would at, you know, a site on Times Square or something like that? You know, we just saw that the uh, the soccer stadium, right? The IBO is estimating it could be half a billion dollars in future property tax breaks just for that. So a casino presumably would be in that in that same range. And then on top of that, you're talking right any sort of other infrastructure, sewage. Would you need to have uh, uh, you know additional traffic and transit improvements to be able to get more cars in and out of there? You know, if the Mets are playing at the same time the casino is open. Who's going to build these new parking garages, right? So many open questions. And this debate is to some degree happening backwards, right? And then first we're asking, what would you like to see with your casino? And then figuring out how you're going to pay for the casino and whether it's legal. Yeah. And to to zoom out even further, like, why are we doing this? And (laughs) I guess I just blanked completely that like there was a voter referendum in 2013 where New Yorkers voted to issue seven new casino licenses and some of those would go downstate but there's there's also a world in which we have no casinos right i mean like none of these sites could be approved in theory but i guess that becomes much tougher because the governor just promised that billions of dollars in casino money would go towards the mta max you wrote about that yeah i mean already the state government seems to be relying quite heavily on not only casinos but also online gaming. Um, They're about to, in this new budget, spend a good amount of money redoing Belmont Park, which is the other racetrack that New York has within like a 15-minute drive of Aqueduct. It seems as though the state is really leaning into like gaming, betting, things that already kind of take money out of the pockets of of poor people, which is kind of what we saw when we went to the Racino. I guess that that leads to Neil, like, why is the state leaning so heavily on on this and why do they need it? I mean, 
everybody, all states love gambling money because it's seen as voluntary, um, right? You don't have to tax people for it. You don't have to force people to pay it. They're voluntarily coughing up their money to support state things. So, so it's the same reason why, you know, states like lotteries and other things like that. Is it really voluntary is another question, you know, if people are sort of being suckered into gambling their money that they're never going to earn back by the government of all people. So, you know, I think why Kogel is uh, is talking about this as a way of funding the MTA is because nobody is going to complain about it, right? You know, everybody's going to say, oh, great, now we don't have to rely on anything else to fund the MTA. This is a way of, you know, sort of coming up with magic beans. It's very much seen as a as an easy out. Oh, great. You know, we don't have to, I don't have to be the governor who raised taxes. I'm just the governor who approved casino. That sounds great, Neil. No, I'm serious. <laughs> What's wrong with, I mean, what, uh, why, why should we be skeptical of free money voluntarily given on undergirding public services? Right. I mean, the problem is that the government then becomes in the position of having to run a, a gambling enterprise. I mean, Look at it this way. If the tax system, instead of the government sending you a bill effectively every year and saying, here, pay your taxes or just taking it out of your paycheck, if it relied on the government saying, no, pay your taxes, you could win a million dollars. That wouldn't be better on any level. Which is a good way of, of pointing out that like New York State has the most successful lottery system in the country. And that is why New York state brings in more gambling money than any other state in the country. If you count the lottery and all its casinos and horse racing and everything else, we should talk about the jobs angle here as well, because I think it's an important one. Resorts world in Queens is the number one employer for the hotel union in New York city, which was a fact that I recently learned when it first opened their workers were negotiating a contract all of them got their salaries doubled overnight. And I did a story in like 2012 or whatever, 2013, like talking to them and like how life-changing that was. And like, this is the sort of, this is the sort of cudgel that is used over and over again. It's like, look, like these casinos, you know, not everyone likes them. They're a little unsavory, but look, they're bringing these amazing paying jobs. And why would you rob the area of these amazing jobs with amazing benefits? And how can that be countered, right? You can't argue against good right. jobs. I mean, well, the argument there is we need to take more money out of the pockets of the working class so we can provide more jobs for the working class. Ipso facto. <laughs> it's effective. It's effective. Right. Well, jobs is effective as an argument for anything, right? You just say, how can you say no to jobs, right? I mean, we just went through that with the, the Buffalo Bills stadium deal where it was like, you know, how can you say no to spending a billion dollars to create new jobs? Whereas, you know, it's just jobs that are being transferred there from one stadium to another you know has anybody studied what the uh market size is for casinos at what point do people start going to a casino at uh city field and stop going to aqueduct right and then the people at aqueduct lose their jobs because well you know people start going somewhere else if the state has studied that i haven't seen it. it's possible they have yeah the state comptroller actually in i think maybe late 2020 put out this really funny report. And I say funny because it was like kind of bracing and grim. And it was before Cuomo was like really beating the drum for casinos. And the comptroller was like, look, like these casinos, they already came into parts of upstate New York. They didn't bring in the revenue they promised. In fact, one of them was 50% under its projected revenue. And when they fail, they inevitably come to lawmakers and they say, please bail us out. 
you wouldn't want layoffs, would you? Um, and this happens over and over again because casinos just cannibalize the business of other casinos that are, that are around them. But the you know the, the comptroller's report notes that like people who have problem gambling tend to be low income, and there's this like really sad pie chart of how much money New York spends every year on like marketing gambling, and it's like ninety million dollars, and then how much they spend on problem gambling, and it's like not even five million dollars. You know, it's a it's a very stark, sad sort of. Um, illustration of our I love that term problem gambling as if there's a kind of gambling that is not a problem I mean I guess if you know going in you're going to lose money right if you just treat it as entertainment then that's fine I'm not sure that there are any people who 100% treat it this is a good time to point out that the money that Hellgate gambled at the Racino was not your subscription money okay that was our hard-earned $20 that we put into the roulette video thing and watched it evaporate in approximately three and a half minutes. We would never gamble with your subscription money, you know, unless the payoff is really, really serious. And we had to really think about it. Uh, we've talked a lot about Co and anyone, but maybe Neil, who, who else is in on this? Who else wants a piece of the action to, to win one of these two downstate casino licenses? I was going to ask you that. <laughs> three, three downstate down, casino right, licenses. Casino, right, um, Chris. So yeah, I think I think the Yonkers Casino is also a front runner to receive one of these licenses, as is the Resorts World, because they're already because they've already got lobbying apparatuses up doing the dirty work, and they're proven models, and it's kind of like we can just keep the casino activity there. But yeah, I mean Hudson Yards wants one, Caesars in Times Square wants one. I don't know who the Saks Fifth Avenue partner is. There's a Coney Island proposal, which seems again, like insane. It's like, not only are we building housing in like flood prone areas, but now we're going to build a giant fucking casino casino on one. I mean, it it does seem like I'm listing all these proposals, but the more I kind of list them, the more that Steve Cohen's proposal, like, look, it's a parking lot. It's next to a stadium. Like it's reasonable. Everyone likes me. I'm the, I'm the Mets guy, you know, like what's wrong with that? And traditionally Flushing Meadow Corona's Park has been used as this dumping ground for projects and like this contentious space. Number one um, goal being for the past 20 years is to get rid of the, the chop shops that were next to city field that were like this thriving immigrant economy, albeit one that um, the city absolutely hated because it didn't have functional storm drains. It was prone to flooding. Um, and obviously had the unsavory aspect of being a place that you could buy the airbag that was just hours before stolen from you. Um, you know, which obviously was not ideal and and every kind of harebrained idea that the city had to compensate the people that they moved out from that area uh, failed miserably. But they've like cleared it. It's a brownfield. They're remediating it. And so now you're going to get, you know, as proposed, a bunch of affordable housing. But on top of that, a giant soccer stadium and now this other thing. So, you know, it's just... In, in terms of Cohen's favor, the city and its planners and going back at least like 30 years at this point have shown such an interest in just dumping as much as possible onto Flushing Meadow Park. Going back to Robert Moses. Yeah, it does seem like it, it has the advantage of solving a problem that the city wants solved or sees as a problem, right? Which is how it's embarrassing to them that City Field and the Mets are surrounded by parking lots and chop shops, and they would much rather see something that can look like development. 
right? Um, and even the people who were going to this visioning session obviously wanted, were like, wow, it would be nice to have shopping there. Um, and one woman, you know, kept talking about how it would be great to have shopping she could get to. And then um, I was like, well, but wouldn't that create even more traffic? And she's like, oh, yeah, that would be terrible. <laughs> so, you know, people in Queens are aware of the pros and cons of developing that site. But again, if you if it's something you can point to uh, as a mayor or a governor and say, well, I, you know, finally got those uh, parking lots developed, then nobody's going to look too hard at whether that was land that was originally supposed to be a public park and for, uh, for 60 years now instead has been just parking lot for a private baseball team. One note is uh, somebody who is looking pretty closely at that land is the Army Corps of Engineers, who are very concerned about its ability to flood. And basically the Flushing River that is underground through Flushing Meadow Park, even under like kind of a light pouring, daylights itself. Uh, So that is something that they need to solve and is going to take a lot of money. And that's something you pointed out, at least in the NYC football stadium story, is going to be probably footed by the city is figuring out what to do with all this water. Yeah. I mean, that's the issue, right? Is that like, it looks good to say, let's take something that's not, not being used for much of anything and build there. But, you know, again, as Chris was just saying about Coney Island, right. You have, there's, there's reasons why things aren't built some places, right. The reason why nothing was built on the city field property before Shea stadium was built there is because it was a swamp. And it remains a swamp, just one that's covered with asphalt. So, um, you know, it's not as simple as saying, oh, you know, look at this perfect opportunity for the city to get something from nothing. To start to wrap this up, Neil, what is the process like? Are we going to have casinos this year, next year, Um, 2030? What has to happen in this process for these casinos to get these? I would say I would say a lot has to happen. Um, It first has to go to the state to approve, to sort of vet the initial proposals, right? So they're presumably going to weed down these initial 12 into the ones that are actually serious. Then it gets kicked over to this community process, which is going to be governed by these community task forces um, that are appointed by all the local local officials, you know, city and state officials for the for the neighborhood. And there will be a whole feedback process there. Likely, they will have to go through the ULERP zoning process and go through the city council, which is a nine or ten month clock. And then when all that is done, there's an actual proposal that has been approved by the community and has been approved by the council if necessary. It then goes back to the state for final approval. So we're, we're talking a couple years here at least before anything really uh, gets approved. And then, of course, something has to get built. It just feels weird that there was more opposition to like Walmart than there is to these casino licenses. Like it's already kind of like it's a done deal. Like it's going to happen. Like there's no. Well, you know, again, it's, it's the jobs thing, right? There were there were unions who were opposed to to Walmart for their own reasons and, you know, small businesses and things like that. There aren't a whole lot of mom and pop gambling operations uh, out there to oppose a casino. Although I guess uh, I guess probably the people who sell lottery tickets should be thinking about that. Or, or, you know, the underground gambling parlors in like spread throughout the city, they're going to lose business, you know, people are, uh, people are doing untaxed gambling all the time. Yeah, but how many lobbyists do they have? <laughs> well, I've met some of their lobbyists, and they're very serious. Um, Neil, thanks for thanks for coming on our little podcast. Next time we go out to Resorts World, we'll, we'll let you know you can come with us. Please do. I want to I want to uh, throw my $20 down a toilet. I'm, it's something I've always dreamed of. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to the Hellgate Podcast. Hellgate is a worker-owned, subscriber-funded news outlet covering New York City. Support our work by subscribing at hellgatenyc.com. Our editorial team is Adlon Jackson, Max Rivlin-Nadler, Nick Pinto, Esther Wong, Katie Way, and me, Christopher Robbins. Nadia Tykolsker is our business manager. Lauren Vespoli is our producer. Our theme music is by Groupwork. You can find their music on Bandcamp and all streaming platforms. This podcast is engineered by Crutch Phrase Studio. Special thanks to Neil DeMoss. You can read his work at hellgatenyc.com and on his website, fieldofschemes.com. <laughs>